This morning we're going to be partaking of communion, symbolically drinking the body and uh, symbolically drinking, eating the body and blood of Christ, which is a rather strange picture, I suppose. But Jesus said in John 6, 53 to 56, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is to drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. While I do not think this passage directly expresses a view on communion, nonetheless, it sheds great light on the meaning of communion, of what is involved in this symbolic eating of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, in preparation for communion, we're going to take a cursory look at John chapter 6 to understand this expression of eating and drinking the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, background to this statement. In John chapter 6, in the early verses, Jesus had just miraculously fed 5,000 people from five loaves and two fishes. The result of the feeding of those 5,000 people was threefold. First, the people recognized that the miraculous work of Jesus was a sign from God. John 6, 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done. So they realized that this miraculous addition, if you will, of these loaves of bread and fish that were able to stretch to the place of feeding 5,000 was more than just a provision of their, their need. They realized that this was a sign from God of something. Second, they recognized that Jesus was a great prophet of which Moses had spoken. Verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Moses had himself prophesied of one that would come and declare the truth of God to us. And they said, this is that prophet. The third result was that the people wanted to forcefully make Jesus their king so that he would continually provide for them. Verse 15. Perceiving then that they would, were about to come and take him by force to make him a king. So they wanted Jesus to rule over them so that they would constantly be fed and provided for in this miraculous way. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have Jesus as their king? Well, Jesus departs from them. He wants nothing to do with becoming a king in that sense of the word. And he crossed over miraculously by walking on the water and went to Capernaum. Once there, many from that crowd were looking for Jesus and they too crossed over, they using boats, and came to Capernaum. Jesus then said to those people that they were seeking him for the wrong reason. Verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not, because you saw signs, but because you ate your full of the loaves. You didn't seek me because of who I am, but rather you sought me because of what I did for you. And in particular, because I fed you with physical food. You're here for nothing more than a handout. 
you're here for nothing more than just some more food. Jesus said they should not be seeking or working for physical food, but rather seek and work for the spiritual food that results in eternal life. Verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. So don't just be about your material needs, but be about your spiritual needs. Be concerned that you receive this food that can give you eternal life, not just temporary physical life. Their reply was, what must we do to work the works of God? That is, what must we do to get the food that results in eternal life? Verse 28, they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What is that? So number two, in order to have eternal life, they must place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So that's the key verse of the passage. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So now they desire proof from Jesus that he has been sent by God. Number one, what sign do you do that we may believe you? Verse 30. They said to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? How do we know you were sent from God? Remember that they had already understood that there was a sign given to them when Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Remember that they already understood that he was a prophet sent from God. They were asking a sign in order to manipulate Jesus and continuing to feed them. Notice verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Why don't you do what Moses did? Moses gave them manna. They ate every day from this bread that God had given. Why don't you feed us every day from this bread that God gives? Jesus said it was not Moses, but God who gave him the bread in verses 32 and 33. And so now they ask to receive the bread of heaven. Verse 34, they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. So now Jesus compares himself to the manna. He is the life-giving bread. The comparison is the basis for extended analogy in which Jesus is referring to his body as bread. It's a comparison with the bread that they ate while they were in the wilderness to the work that he is going to do. He is this living bread. Jesus encourages them to put faith in him. Notice verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whosoever believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 36. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Once again, they are called to believe on Jesus. Verse 40. 
For this is the will of my God, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Now raise him up at the last day. There's this continual reference to believing in Jesus. Verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. They died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Believe in me. I can give you everlasting life. Now, eating the bread is metaphorically compared to believing in Jesus. Verse 51. I am the living bread come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, meaning himself, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, how can this man give us flesh to eat? What in the world is he talking about? Which brings us to number three and our thought for this morning. Believing in Jesus is pictured as eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Let me say it again. Believing in Jesus is pictured as eating his flesh and drinking his blood. So we want to look at the picture. Remember what Jesus had said one must do to have eternal life. Verse 40. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. What is said of believing in Jesus is now said of eating his body and his blood. Notice verse 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now raise him up at the last day. So eating his flesh and drinking his blood gives you eternal life. Consistently said, believing on him gives eternal life. So eating and drinking is a picture of believing. Believing in Christ. It's a metaphor. It's a picture. It is not to be taken literally. We're not called to be cannibals. We are called to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the one who was sent from God to die so that we would have everlasting life. Verses 53 through 59. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whosoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So what are we to derive from this metaphor of eating and drinking? First, it is the depiction of what is true saving faith. What belief in Jesus looks like. As I said, I don't think communion is expressly referred to in this passage, but communion is a good illustration of it. In partaking of communion, we are not literally eating the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we are eating symbols, representation. The bread represents the 
body of Christ. The blood, the, the cup represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It had to be understood that way when Jesus instituted the Lord's table. Jesus is handing them this bread and saying, this is my body. He's standing before them. They know that that's not his body. He's standing in their presence. He's handing that to them. It is a metaphor. This is my body, which is for you. And then he gives them the cup. says, this is my blood, which is shed for you. It's a symbol. It's a symbol. And so we eat as a symbol of believing in Jesus. For eating is very helpful for us to understand what true saving faith consists of. There are four points that um, A.W. Pink in his exposition of the book of John makes. And I am now going to uh, copy from A.W. Pink. In fact, I'm going to quote him at great length. So I want to give him the credit for these are not my words but his. But he gives us four things that we're to understand from this image of eating and drinking. The first is that eating is a necessary act. In the first place, eating is necessary if I am to derive that advantage from bread which is intended to convey, namely bodily nourishment. I may look at bread and admire it. I may philosophize about bread and analyze it. I may talk about bread and eulogize its quality. I may handle bread and be assured of its excellency. But unless I eat it, I shall not be nourished by it. All of this is equally true with the spiritual bread, Christ. Knowing the truth, speculating about it, talking about it, contending for it, will do me no good. I must receive it into my heart. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. So it's a matter of receiving it. Believing is a matter of taking it. It's a matter of more than just mental assent. Secondly, eating is a response to a felt need. That need is hunger, unmistakably evident and acutely felt. And when one is really hungry, he asks no questions. He makes no demurs. He raises no quibbles, but gladly and promptly partakes of that which is set before him. So it is again spiritually. Once a sinner is awakened to his lost condition, once he is truly conscious of his deep, deep need, once he becomes aware of the fact that without Christ he will perish eternally, then whatever intellectual difficulties may have previously troubled him, however much he may have procrastinated in the past, now he will need no urging, but promptly and gladly will receive Christ as his own. Jesus said that if you come unto me, you will no longer hunger. You will no longer thirst. The person who partakes must be hungry in the sense that they recognize they have a need. There is a need for forgiveness. There is this need for a savior. Jesus said to this crowd, you're seeking me for the wrong reasons. You see a need. They wanted physical food. Jesus said, you have a greater need than physical food. You need spiritual food. You need to experience the forgiveness of sins and enjoy peace with God. 
you need eternal life. And so it is today that many, many people are only interested in material things. And they're only interested in Jesus for the material things that he may provide. Some people are interested in in wealth. Some people are interested in health. Some people are looking for a friend, a companion. They are looking for Jesus to somehow make their present life better. But they're not looking for eternal life. They don't have any real belief in a life to come. Nor do they believe that if they do, if there is a life to come, that they need Jesus in order to be in the presence of God. A lot of people just think that everyone goes to heaven. So there needs to be this felt need of without Christ, I'm going to perish. In the third place, eating implies an act of appropriation. Again, he writes, the table may be spread and loaded down with delicacies, and a liberal portion may have been placed on my plate, but not until I commence to eat it do I make that food my own. Then that food, which previously was without me, is taken inside, assimilated, and becomes a part of me, supplying health and strength. So it is spiritually. Christ may be presented to me in all his attractiveness. I may respect his wonderful personality. I may admire his perfect life. I may be touched by his unselfishness and tenderness. I may be moved to tears at the sight of him dying on the cross, but not until I appropriate him, not until I receive him as mine, shall I be saved. Then he who before was outside will indeed be within me. Not in, now in very truth shall I know him as the bread of life, ministering daily to my spiritual need and strength. Jesus said in that long passage, I will abide in you. I will abide in you. Just as we eat physical bread, that it actually nourishes us, it actually sustains us, it actually gives us strength by which we can live, so too, by belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, he actually imparts to us physical, excuse me, spiritual health and strength. The Holy Spirit is given unto us and sustains us so that we have this eternal life. Then lastly, in the fourth place, eating is an intensely personal act. It is something which no one else can do for me. There is no such thing as eating by proxy. If I am to be nourished, I must myself eat. Standing by and watching others will not supply my needs. No one can believe in Christ for you. The preacher cannot, your loved ones cannot, And you may have witnessed others receiving Christ as theirs and have witnessed the change in their lives. But unless you have eaten the bread of life, unless you have personally received Christ as yours, it is all availed as nothing. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. I think that is the most graphic representation of communion. It is that actual taking in your hand this picture of a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That each of us are eating individually. It is a statement about our own personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ.
And as such, and as such, the Bible warns us about partaking of communion unworthily. It warns us about partaking of communion without recognizing the importance of the symbol. So we should not take communion if we don't really believe in Jesus Christ. If we haven't trusted in him as our savior. If we've never asked him to forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life, then we shouldn't partake. We are illustrating something that hasn't happened in our life. But if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, if we've actually placed our faith in him, if we really do believe that he's the Son of God who came into this world to die and rise again so that we can have eternal life, if we really believe in him, then we are to eat, symbolically, proclaiming to everyone, I have received this, I have believed this, I have appropriated this, I have taken this gift, which is provided through me through Jesus Christ. I believe in him. To eat and to drink is to believe. I hope this morning that your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, the true Christ, the one born of a virgin, the one who lived a sinless life, the one who died on the cross, the one who rose again bodily from the dead, the one who ascended into heaven, and the one who's coming back and will reward the righteous and judge the wicked. Our only hope of eternal life is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I hope you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you have, then we invite you to symbolically eat and drink of his symbolic body and blood. It's a picture of belief. A picture of belief. If you haven't believed, don't partake. If you have believed, you're welcome to partake. And let me just say this. There's no reason why you can't express your faith today for the very first time. This moment, I'm going to offer to you what Jesus offers, and that is eternal life. That the most important need that is present in your life is not physical, it is actually spiritual. This life is temporal. Our spiritual life is eternal. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We need to seek him for the eternal life that he gives. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I invite you to pray with me. Just repeat in your own mind the words that I say if they express your heart. Let's pray. Our Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need forgiveness. I know that forgiveness can only come through Jesus Christ. I believe in him. I believe that he is the one that you sent into the world so that we could have life, that we could experience forgiveness of sins, that we would be able to live forever and ever with you. 
Our Father, today, I desire to exhibit this faith in Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This time I'm going to ask the brethren to come forward, and they're going to serve us the elements. Again, if you know Lord Jesus Christ,